Hello, this is Dan Jones, and I have prepared this quiet talk for you, hopefully to bless you and edify you. One of the hardest barriers to penetrate when it comes to understanding the Bible is the radical difference between the culture of the ancient Near East and that of the modern West. This barrier is especially evident in the story of the patriarch Abraham. As you know, God made some important promises to Abraham. He told him that if he left his home country behind, that he would give him a land in which his descendants would multiply exceedingly and become a great nation. Abraham took God up on his offer and relocated to the land of Canaan. When all this happened, Abraham was already 75 years old, not the age at which most of us contemplate major life changes, especially like starting a family. In addition to the fact that Abraham was not a young fellow, his wife Sarah had never been able to have children anyway, even when they were a lot younger. To become a great nation, you have to at least start with one child of your own. After sojourning in the promised land for 10 years, Abraham and Sarah started to get nervous. I guess they didn't want God to be humiliated but not being able to do what he said he would do. This was really very nice of them. So Sarah had an idea. And this is where the cultural thing really starts to be important. First of all, try to understand how important it was to those people to leave behind descendants. And I'm not just talking about Abraham and Sarah. This was a feature of all people of that time and culture. Unlike we Christians, these people had no concept of eternal life in glory with God in paradise. They believed the dead went to an underworld, which as best as they could determine was not a very cheery place. So since the afterlife held few charms, they wanted very much to leave behind something here in this world that would last. And the best way they had of doing that was to have children to carry on the family name and traditions. Here's where the cultural thing with Sarah comes in. If a woman was unable to have a child, then her husband could have a child with her handmaiden. This offspring would be considered the man's legal heir. Sarah suggested to Abraham that he have a child with her lady's maid, an Egyptian named Hagar. Abraham thought that sounded like the solution to their problem. So Abraham took Hagar as his second wife, and she became pregnant. Another feature of their culture that is strange to us and that we like to be very self-righteous about is the practice of slavery. Now, I'm not defending that, but I think it's good for us to realize that we don't exactly have a morally perfect and pristine culture ourselves. I believe there are things about the way we live that future generations will look back on also and see as abhorrent. Hagar was a slave. They had probably acquired her in Egypt when they had gone down there to escape a famine in Canaan. Now, I'm going to use my sanctified imagination here, so try to differentiate between that 
and what is plainly stated in the Bible. But I think my ideas have some merit. I want you to try to imagine with me what it was like to be Hagar. Now, I'm sure she accepted the existence of slavery because, well, it just was. She's never known anything else. I doubt she always loved being a slave, but she had no choice. But what must it have been like to essentially be a surrogate mother for Abraham and Sarah? Do you think they told her how much she meant to them and how grateful they were for her cooperation in this plan to have a child so God's promises could be fulfilled? The Bible doesn't say, but I doubt they did. After all, she was a slave. She didn't get to consent to all this. She just had to go along with it. Nobody much cared how she felt. In a sense, Hagar, the woman, was invisible. Who she really was on the inside, her feelings, her hopes for her life were inconsequential. So she became pregnant, and when she did, she sort of looked down on Sarah. That's human nature. I was able to give the master a son, and you weren't. Ha ha. Well, of course, Sarah didn't appreciate this attitude on the part of her slave girl, so she complained to Abraham. I would have expected Abraham to say, hey, this whole thing was your idea, but he was no idiot. So he just said, Hagar is your slave. You can do with her whatever you want. So Sarah beat her. She was cruel to Hagar. So cruel, apparently, that Hagar ran away. She took the road that led down to Egypt, where she was originally from. This, too, was very understandable. And here's where the wonderful thing happened. On the road as she traveled, God met this runaway slave and had a talk with her. Hagar was not invisible to God. He said to her, Where did you come from, Hagar? Where are you headed? Well, she said, I'm running away from my mistress. And God said to her, Go back to her. You're going to have a son, and you will call him Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. The name Ishmael means God hears. God said to her, I've heard what you're going through. I care as much about slaves as I do about rich people who own slaves. And then God promised Hagar that Ishmael would be the patriarch of a great nation. It is her response to this interview with the Almighty that I want you to especially notice today. The Bible says that when all this happened, she called him the God who sees me. Before that, perhaps she didn't think that anybody really saw her for who she was. She was just a slave girl who was tasked with conceiving a baby for somebody else, almost like a tool. But there on the road to Egypt, Hagar realized that to the God of heaven, she was a person. She mattered. She was not invisible. There are many features of the Bible culture that I'm glad are not part of the way we live today, but 
The fact that the world was the way it was then doesn't imply that God approved of everything that went on, but he worked with them where they were, just like a modern missionary works with the people he seeks to share the gospel with, even though there may be things about the culture in which he ministers that are not good. God was the same God in Hagar's day that he is today. He is the God of love and compassion that we see demonstrated in the life and work and death of Jesus Christ. Right now, you might find yourself in a situation that is very difficult, a situation that is beyond your control. Maybe there's someone who has power over you that is not kind and compassionate. But in the middle of this situation, there is a God who hears your affliction, a God who sees you. He knows exactly what you are experiencing at this moment, and he knows how you feel about it. His heart is toward you now. I can't promise you that God will instantly deliver you from what you're going through. Life is difficult, and Jesus told us clearly that in this world we would have trouble. But then he said, Take heart. I have overcome the world. Overcoming the world doesn't mean that you can always make any difficulty vanish away, but it means that in the middle of your difficulty, you can experience victory, knowing that Jesus hears you and sees you. And more than that, he suffered as well. He suffered difficulty that we can't fathom. The awful death of the cross on our behalf that we might have the hope of eternal life in a world of peace, joy, and love. Heavenly Father, I pray for any listening to me right now that are in a difficult situation that they see no way out of. I pray that they will know right now that in the middle of that situation, God hears them. God hears their cry for help. God sees them. He knows their hurts, their feelings, their thoughts, their desires. Encourage today those who are listening to me, Lord, with your great love, with your compassion. And I pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear friend, once again, uh, let me say that uh, when I'm not making these quiet talks, that I am uh, leading a group of people in the Schenectady, New York area to plant a church there and we meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the American Legion Hall, which is at 1809 Union Street. And uh, if you're in that area, if you're not attached to a church already, we would love to meet you. And if you would like to contact me by email, my email address is father.danjones at outlook.com. God bless you.